a big lesson that I've learned is how to set appropriate boundaries to not compare yourself. I'm sure you've probably noticed it's been a huge thing for me, even just listening to me talk about the type of CEO I am and how that's okay. I didn't come out the bat like that. I was very hard on myself for years for not getting this right, which looking back is just nuts. Like Again, I'm a trained counselor. I'm not a trained CEO and I'm never going to be and that's okay. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. If you are passionate about growth in your business, if you are growing a purpose-driven business and you want access to education, to resources, and to other amazing businesswomen who can help you do it better every single day, then this is the podcast for you. You may have noticed that so many of the women I've been bringing onto the show lately are talking very openly about their challenges, changing seasons, transitions, or self-doubts, and really identifying how they got and continue to get through it all. Meditation continues to be a tool that so many of them identify as one of the foundational ways they stay tuned into who they are, what's important to them, and how to continue doing the best right thing for them. Whether you've been meditating for years or perhaps you're a relative newbie, check out the guided meditations on the Meditation for Women podcast. These are meditations I've created just for you. I would love for you to take a listen to the Meditation for Women podcast and use it as your own personal library of guided meditations for the exact message that you need to hear during all those ever-changing seasons and transitions and moments of your life. Just search for Meditation for Women on the podcast app that you happen to be listening to this show on, or go to meditationforwomenpodcast.com. Callie Rogers is the founder of Blush, a company who provides online life coaching support to young millennial women who are experiencing stress, anxiety, and confusion about their careers, their relationships, their finances, or are going through a quarter-life crisis. During this interview, we dive deep into why she chose to build her counseling practice as an online business, how she avoided the mass amounts of licensure issues that could have come from doing business this way, and why and how she structured the pay model as she has. It's $79 per month for two sessions with one of her licensed therapists. Callie talks about a significant turning point in her business when she rebranded and how powerfully that process and getting clear about who Blush is and who it serves and how she does it and the three actions she took from this moment that have resulted in stratosphere growth for her business. Lastly, Callie shares her biggest lessons that she's learned thus far to avoid competition, to stay in her own lane and to give herself boundaries so she can make blush into the best version of itself. I have no doubt that you will enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So sit back and enjoy. Callie girl, what's going on? Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here. I know, me too, cold and all. So if I sound like (laughs) I have an octave lower of a voice... Forgive me. <laughs> Sorry it's about all good. 
it's all good. We'll bleep out any sneezes you got to do. It's all good. (laughs) Done. I took like a huge decongestant earlier. So fingers crossed. Lovely. Lovely. I think the nose being clogged makes you sound like so much more like sensual and like gives you the Hollywood actor kind of. Yeah. I'm an LA big time business woman. (laughs) Believe it. (laughs) Got the voice to go along with it. Okay. First off, I want to give a big shout out to Brittany Lynn with her PR company, who is phenomenal, who's a woman who connected us, who I had the pleasure of meeting at a podcast conference not too long ago. And and she just said, you've got to have this woman on your podcast. And I'm going to shove her on it because she's that amazing. And I was like, okay, like let's do it. Um, which I normally wouldn't be open to, except she was so awesome. And so... So awesome. I was so impressed by the information that she had sent about you. And once I started doing research on you, I was like, oh my God, this is such a cool story to tell. So right. you're like, okay, she'll, 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 she'll be okay. But no, <laughs> Britt is amazing. And by yeah. the way, fun fact, her middle name is also Lynn. So her name is Britt Lynn Lynn. She's, you're kidding me. I'm not. And she's <laughs> going to kill me for saying that. But You've been I can't outed, not call her Brit Brit Lynn Lynn for just for fun. And she's she's my favorite. She's, I mean, she's why I get exposed and meet so many different cool people, especially online. Like she's just so good at it. So I'm yeah. very grateful for her. Love it. I want to start by asking you why you decided to provide life coaching in an online format. Mm-hmm. because it seems like now I could kind of understand that, but it seems like the traditional way of being able to grow out of business. Like if you were a, a formal therapist, if you wanted to do the life coaching, like the normal quote unquote thing to do would be build out your clientele, maybe have a location, hire on other therapists to go do that in a live setting. The mm-hmm. online thing seems pretty innovative. And it seems it just is a little extra like, oh my gosh, is that really valid? So when and why did you make that decision to make that an online service? There's probably a billion reasons that all like add up to the big one. The main thing is that I... (laughs) came down to a boy. I was dating a boy and and I'm being dead serious. Like I was, I was dating and he's now my husband. So like, at least it worked out. Right. But (laughs) otherwise this would be a whole different fun conversation. Right. (laughs) I got my master's in Dallas. I moved to Austin. We reconnected. He wanted to move to LA and I'm just like looking back on my life and I'm just like, I moved a not a huge amount growing up, but like a good enough amount growing up. And I'd been ping-ponging between Austin and Dallas. And then all of a sudden he's like, I want to go to LA. You should come too. I'm like, yeah, I want to go to LA. That sounds fun. But I've got this huge thing called the licensure just hanging over my head. I'm going to have to start all over if I go out to LA. And this is BS. Like I had focused on getting my LPC in my master's program. And I also studied for my LMFT, which is huge out in California, but not in Texas. And LPC is king in Texas. What is an LPC for those who don't know? Oh, sorry. Licensed professional counselor. And essentially, I think the LMFT is licensed marital and family counselor. And the deal is, is all of this is so similar and every state has their own licensure process. And it's not as seamless as like the bar, for example, like where you just go, you take a test, you don't have to get hours or anything. With counseling, you have to get 3,000 hours, 1,500 direct, 1,500 indirect. That takes a long time. For every different state licensure? For Texas, yes. I'm sure it varies from state to state elsewhere. But I mean, that's like a huge task at hand after you've graduated. And so number one, I looked at this and I was like, wow, this is really inefficient and inconvenient and I don't want to deal with this. So part of it was 
why on earth would I even want to do a brick and mortar situation when I live online? My whole world is online. Everyone's world is online. That's our generation. And I can pick up and start building something in Texas, move to California. And the only thing that changes is my time zone. Why wouldn't I do that? And then I started thinking, and granted, there's a lot, again, that went into this, but mainly millennials move a lot. I still ask myself, why on earth is my address on my driver's license? My email address should be on my driver's license. (laughs) No one's address is actually current on their driver's license because we move so much and it's so easy to do it. It's so easy to buy a plane ticket and go somewhere. It's so easy to put stuff in the back of your car and drive a car. Like... I guess it just didn't used to be as common. People move constantly. And with that, they have to find new doctors, new dentists, new counselors, right? So that was part of it too, of like, how great would it be if you could just pair up with a life coach or counselor and just see them consistently, even if you go on vacation, even if you go and study abroad, even if you travel for a year, like you never have to give up that relationship, which I like. And the third reason was, I don't know if you've ever tried to go to a therapy appointment at five o'clock when you're in rush hour traffic and you can't find a parking spot, but not only are you late and you cut into your time, but you show up and you're so upset from traffic and, oh my God, and I'm going to be late and she's going to be disappointed in me. And like getting into that zone of, okay, I'm ready for therapy takes me an extra 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden I have 20 minutes left in my session and I don't even get to talk about what I wanted to talk about. Yes. How great would it be if you could log online I don't care what you're doing. I have no idea if you just chugged a glass of wine before you got on. Like, I don't know if you're in your sweatpants. I don't know if you're feeling sick like me today. Like, that's no reason to skip because it's online. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. And so I found that girls were just in a better mental state to actually get more out of it. And granted, that's not the case for everyone. Some people really like in person. I understand that and respect that. But those were the three main contributing factors. And again, there are many more, but those made the most sense to me. It's like, why, why am I forcing this? Why don't I just do it online? Just like there are specific licensure things that you have to do if you're going to set up like an actual practice in any particular state. Mm-hmm how did that translate to online? And especially because your business model is such that you have other licensed therapists Mm -hmm. who are all providing the services, right? Right. So they are each in a different part of the country, I would imagine. What kind of regulations, if any, do you have to follow by being online to make sure that it's legit, if you will? So if we were practicing counseling, which I've been using those terms interchangeably and I really shouldn't because they're not, we offer life coaching. We just all happen to be licensed counselors. And that is how I do quality assurance. I make sure that you had the education and that you know when you log on and someone's showing severe signs of depression, you don't just go, oh, it was a bad day. I have to make sure that all of my coaches know what they're doing. And the way that I assure that is by making sure they have the same education as me, which of course is a little self-centered, but it's just like, I feel like confident in my skills because of my degree. So I'm going to make sure that that's the same for my other coaches. In terms of regulations and things, life coaching is the wild, wild west. You could have a high school degree and call yourself a life coach and there's nothing that anyone could say and you could hold yourself out as a professional. That's all well and good. So there really isn't. And you know, people ask, well, why didn't you just hold yourself out as a counselor? And you nailed it right there. If I'm licensed in the state of Texas, but I'm seeing someone in the state of Colorado who am I, you know, responsible to? Right. Like it gets really like convoluted, right? Totally. And then technically what you should do, if you're really going to go old school, which is what a lot of therapists do, is they get 
licensed in all the states in which they see clients. So you'll see a lot of like Skype therapists that are registered. I saw a woman who is licensed in New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Delaware or something. And so she would see clients from all those states, mostly online, but it was never an issue for her because anyone living in the state of Connecticut, it was fine because she was licensed there. Right. Yeah, you can't do that if you're seriously seeing people also not just from the United States, like internationally. So I was like, you know what? I'm passionate about high-functioning issues anyway. I'm not trying to help someone get out of bed in the morning. I'm trying to help someone get a promotion. And those are two separate skill sets. I'm sure someone has the capacity to do both. I just wanted to focus on one versus the other. So I realized we're not actually delivering counseling anyway. So why don't I just call it coaching, make sure that everyone knows that we are qualified, but then we don't have to deal with all this regulation and all this liability. And you know, my now husband is an attorney and he was just like, this is a headache. Like I'm telling you right now, you just don't even want to have to deal with that. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So I did. Uh That's a really brilliant solution by the way, but also very purposeful. And you talked a little bit about what your particular interest was on who to serve, right? And I I want to talk a little bit about niches because the term life coaching, you probably would have to do a lot more to even educate or get people on board who were not in your particular Mm -hmm. niche, right? So your particular niche are young women in their 20s and their 30s, professional women who are either... You kind of started in the... They're going through the quarter life crisis, Mm -hmm. right? But that has evolved into the 20s and 30s, the young professional woman. She's dealing with marriage. She's dealing with professional development. She's dealing with financial stuff. As you said, very high-functioning type of issues. And that woman is, in my humble opinion or my knowledge, is a lot more susceptible to understanding and already accepting and being on board with the idea of a life coach Mm -hmm. versus somebody who is 50, 60, 70 years old, right? Not saying that that's not... A thing or that that's not known, but it's just sure. like, it's definitely like a little bit more education for that grouping of folks. Yeah. It's generational for sure. I don't think, you know, my mom was kind of like life coach. What? Um, <laughs> and of course she knows now, but that wasn't a thing when she right. grew up. If you went to therapy, you were bananas. Right. And nowadays it's just like, so not the case, but our generation is the one that really understands that. But which is why it's so smart having the niche that you have, because there are fewer barriers to entry to somebody saying yes to you. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested to know how you developed that niche. Yeah. How did you know that that's the type of person that you wanted to deal with and that's who your specialty was? Well, it started out at a bar, right? Started with a boy (laughs) in a bar. (laughs) I'm so classy. All the great businesses (laughs) start out that way, apparently. Classy lady. I was actually working. I was bartending my way through grad school. And the company that I worked for, it's a large national chain, upper end. So like a burger costs like 15 bucks or something. And martinis were like 15 too. You know, like it was a nice place. (laughs) Super high pace, super stressful, very, very um, militant organization where everything was like very, very... So you could easily have stress breakdowns at any given point. People get fired for not having a starched, you know, 
chef's coat or whatever. It was crazy town. I was having a good time, actually. I was really enjoying myself. However, I would have these managers come in from their new training place or whatever, and they were 23 years old, um, mostly female, graduated from Ivy League schools, Stanford, we had one from Rutgers. I mean, these are like bright women. And they would be on the brink of total collapse after six weeks of working at this particular restaurant. And it was because one, the hours were crazy. I mean, for someone that age, like 80 hours a week. And they made a lot of money, but then they were told, you can't hang out with the staff. And they were also transferred. We had a girl from California who got plucked into Dallas and she's like, cool. So I'm working 80 hour weeks. I don't have any friends. I don't have time to make any friends. And all the people that I spent all my time with, I'm not allowed to hang out with. You can only imagine the emotional distress that happened at that place. So I actually pitched this online idea that I had to the restaurant company and they overwhelmingly laughed at me and turned it down and said, we screen for that. I will never forget that. We screen for that. It's so bonkers. You screen for what? Like being a human? But they were just like, that's not what we're about. But I got so used to working still with that age group. And I was like, this is really interesting. And then I noticed that my friends were going through it too, even though they weren't in this severe of a stress pressure cooker. And so I started doing research and I was like, oh, this is the quarter life crisis. And everyone makes fun of millennials for it. But I was like, it's real. So when we launched Blush, I actually went towards teens. And the reason I went towards teens is because I remembered in grad school, the one piece of business advice I got from a professor was parents pay for their children. So if you want a good business, parents will pay not for themselves, but for their kids. I was like, huh, okay. So I could go for the teens. And two, I was like 24, 25 years old. Who's going to listen to me? Like a teen would. I'm close Mm -hmm. enough in age. So we went after them. It really did not work. But we were blessed with some good press very early on. And the young 20-something started signing up. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't going after you. I'm not ready for you. Are you going to take me seriously? Oh God, oh God, oh God, you know? But they kept coming. And so I started shifting my writing and started shifting my focus to go after these young 20-something. So that's how it really started. I mean, I definitely failed upwards (laughs) because I was going after a completely different demographic. And of course, looking at it, I'm like, duh, that's what I was aiming for. From the beginning, I just didn't have the confidence. Well, and it's so common, I think, too, that we have this idea of who we should be targeting or like what that thing is. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we get the exact opposite or something very different. Right. The genius, though, is in responding to it and mm-hmm. not putting your head in the sand about it. And I got to make this work. Like that's a moment where you're like, wait a minute, but the people that are paying yeah. are this group of right. people. So let me adjust. I figured out pretty quickly that parents were still paying for it, you know, (laughs) which is funny. And not, that's not necessarily a demo anymore, but at the beginning I was like, Oh, okay. Like parents are still, cause I was like, man, what 22 year old is going to pay for life coaching instead of highlights? Like I want to meet her. I need some advice from her. But I got to tell you, I I don't know if this was your actual like pricing structure in the beginning, but I think now it's at like 79 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean when somebody signs up for 79 bucks a month? Do they get sort of like when they need you or is it a certain amount of sessions a month? It's a certain amount of sessions. So it's definitely not an on-demand service. I think there is a service who does that better help and it's complete BS. You're only allowed a certain amount of questions or responses and the answers are so like, I mean, not to like, poop on better help. But it's like whenever you see unlimited or on demand, there's always a catch. Like see what happened what's happening to movie pass right now. Like oops. Mm. Right. I mean I think class pass is one of the only businesses that have really survived that. 
And I would love to hear how, because I was on the unlimited plan and I was like, this is too good to be true. And you know, it is. So definitely not unlimited. I'm not willing to take my business for that. So with 79 bucks a month, you get two sessions. And the way that we can afford to do that is I've broken sessions into half hours instead of full hours. In traditional counseling, you get 50 minutes. Right. We talk fast. I would have, you know, sessions with clients in the beginning and I did the traditional, you know, 50 minutes or whatever. And we would just whoop, get through it. Yeah. We didn't waste any time. It was just bing, 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 bam. And I realized like, hmm, I'd rather squeeze more sessions in, trim them to where the exact amount of time that you actually need so that you feel like you're getting double when yeah. still you're really almost paying for the same amount of time, but you get twice as much covered. I love that because that to me is that shift. And this is a big belief. And if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I'm, I really like challenging the idea of like dollars for hours. And so when people ask you like, well, how much is an hour, right? Which is very typical in the counseling and therapy world. Mm -hmm. How much is the hour for you? Right. Right. And so if I have X amount of sessions, that means I get X amount of hours for you. That means your time is worth X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. But this model is really shifting it, even though you could literally do the math of like, well, how much does that mean for for every hour I get, right? Really what you're doing is shifting it from hour driven and and how much is it per hour to what are you getting out of it? What's the results? Mm -hmm. Or results driven. We charge by results. I love that. And I love seeing how that applies to this particular situation. I needed to make it affordable, like period. I had to make it affordable because we're on the cusp of mental health being cool, but we're not there yet. And so I still have to convince someone that it's like, dude, you probably spend the same amount on coffee at Starbucks per month. Why wouldn't you want to just talk to someone? Yeah. Twice a month, 30 minutes, you have no idea how much you'll get out of it. Because the, in the reality, like people are like, oh, well, that's not a lot, or that's, I'm not getting enough out of it. And it's like, girlfriend, you don't have time to go to therapy for an hour a week. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I've seen you guys try and sign up for that 249 plan, which don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of it. And a lot of girls use it. But a lot of times they'll do it for like a month or two when they're in crisis mode. And then they'll downgrade because they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling fine. That one problem's gone. So I'm going to downgrade to the middle plan, just maintenance, you know, an hour every other week. And that's honestly like clockwork. That's what ends up happening. I get that, you know, you might not think that you're getting a ton out of it, but in reality, like, you don't have time. This is yeah. the perfect amount that you need. So what does that mean for your sticky factor? Do you have a monthly subscription business model, basically? Mm-hmm. What is the average time that someone sticks with you? Yeah, I think it's like six to eight months which is pretty good, actually. I was hoping for three months because that's when I feel like you start to see change. And that's like when you see change with exercise and dieting, it's like that three-month mark is like kind of the golden amount of time where you really start like things fall into place. And so we're at the six, eight month. I mean, it varies from month to month, of course, just with our sample size is growing. And so it'll just change a little bit, but that's where we've held steady. And granted, you know, some of our clients come and they never leave. I personally have had clients for over four years, five years um, at this point. So, and then we have people who show up for a month. They're like, Nope. And I was like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) You gave it a shot. That's okay. The goal is to make it affordable for longevity so that they just get used to doing it because if you only go to life coaching, at least on our site, when you have a severe issue and you just pay for a journal or you pay for one session and you get it out and, and someone says it's going to be okay, 
that doesn't fix anything. And then the problem resurfaces a month later and it's like, I thought I handled this. And it's like, yeah, but you have to like actually come in and dig through it and process it. And if you have that consistency in your life, it's just such a better solution. What kind of journey have you been on all these years since you've been doing it? Obviously, you're still actually practicing. So you still actually have clients yourself. Mm-hmm. But you have been the CEO of this company. Mm-hmm. You are the person running it. So you're not only dealing with the actual client themselves and the challenges themselves, but you're actually dealing with like, how do I best grow this out? Can you pinpoint a moment that has been pretty transformative for you? That was like, okay, I'm kind of like going along or two steps forward, one step back, but this is a moment that really shifted things and and describe what that has been. To be completely honest, I'm not that great of a CEO and I don't really have like, (laughs) I'm really not. I don't really have the personality for it. I don't really have the skills for it. Like I am a trained counselor and that's what I'm good at. And that's what I went to school for. I created this business honestly because I saw a problem and because I wanted to move to LA (laughs) because I just wanted something that I could grow and continue to grow with. So I definitely didn't start this being like, I'm going to change the world and raise a bunch of money and be the disruptor in counseling. Like, like, that is so not my style. So I'm not afraid to admit that I'm not very good at it. And I think I realized that at some point when I kept on realizing like, oh, this is really what happened. I kept trying a bunch of things and like some, some would work and some wouldn't. And I just got really tired of doing this trial and error thing. I needed something that would stick. And, you know, I had paid money to brand a site after teens. And I was getting frustrated that my 20-somethings weren't picking up, but like the site was super immature and not like in a condescending way, but just in a, like it was made for like a 16-year-old. Right. I had just put it in my mind that it was too expensive to redo and that it was like a sunk cost and I was just going to have to make the best of it. And then I realized like there are plenty of companies out there, small businesses that do rebrands all the time that are pretty affordable. And so what happened was I was like, I just pulled the trigger. I was like, let's just do this. So I rebranded. I hired someone out to do it, professionals who, who do this a lot. I did go and like pick out sites that I really liked and decided the looks that I wanted. Um, and there was a lot of back and forth, a ton of it to make sure that it looked great. And at the same time, I pulled my coaches. Instead of sending a survey out to my actual clients, I wanted to talk to my coaches about who do you like working with? I gave them a questionnaire. It was like 30 questions. And I said... I want you to think about your ideal client and not in the abstract. Think about your favorite clients right now. The ones that you've loved working with, the ones that if you could clone them and have 20 of them, you'd be like, ah, this is perfect. And I want you to compile those into one person and give her a name, give her an age. Where does she live? What does she do? Right. So it was kind of like a hybrid of the client avatar, but it was actually based off of real clients and then like, you know, all put together. So I got all of the answers back, I swear to God, every single coach named their clients something with an M. It was like, really? Yeah. Maddie, <laughs> Megan, McKinsey. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I think I ended up calling her Maddie. I asked what her Myers-Briggs type was. It was all the same. She's an INFJ. She is single but dating. She lives in a big city with a roommate. She has some sort of a pet. I know so much about her now. And like, she's not abstract. She's real. Like, those are the people on our site. And so it was easier when I was doing my copy. I do all the copywriting, which is the one thing I do feel like I'm pretty good at. And I made the copy, you know, tailored to her. So I was like, what does Maddie want to hear? 
What does mm. what does she need from this site? And that's when things really clicked. When I had professional help to come and do like the design work and the branding, and then of course Brittany jumped in and was like, "I'll do your publicity." I was like, "Thank God!" And <laughs> and so really, like outsourcing has been a huge deal for me too. Like it's okay to admit that you're not that great at something, even when it's like your job. <laughs> and so I just decided, like, how many people can I get involved in this <laughs> to take this off my hands? Well, uh, just to give you a couple of kudos, I think that does make a great CEO because all CEOs are not great at the exact same thing. Like you might have like a task list or a a job description that could be the same for every CEO, but like the CEOs know where their strengths are and outsource everything else. Right. Took me a while to realize that. And I still get hard on myself and I get overwhelmed and I'm like, why don't I have these big grand ideas? But it's like, I really like sticking to the basics and making sure that our clients are taken care of. So I don't have a desire to like teach other coaches how to be coaches. You know, that's something that people come to me all the time with. And I'm like, I don't know how to teach you how to be a coach. (laughs) I really don't. I have no idea. And I wouldn't want to teach you how to be me because I'm me and you need to find your own voice and do it your own way. So it's kind of a funny situation to be. What I'm hearing in this though, and I just really want to highlight this because you listening, you might, we think, and definitely the most celebrated version of an entrepreneur is the idea person the innovator, the visionary. And that's one type of great entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That isn't the only type of entrepreneur. Right. And that's so not me. I mean, I cannot explain. That's my husband, which is funny. I married that. I am not that. It's funny. So my husband's the exact same way. Mm -hmm. I am not that. My entrepreneurship training was in operating. I was the organizer, right? Like behind the scenes stuff. So while I have by osmosis and by experience now really allowed myself to acquire the skills of the visionary and those things, they're definitely not all over the board. Like they're the right ideas at the right time, right? Right. But I love highlighting that because that is absolutely valid. That is a very valid form of a CEO who is the... I want to call it the steady Freddy, but I don't think that's the right term. But it's like, I'm doing the next steps and I know it's right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not interested in all the fluff and saying yes to every idea that comes along the way. I think that's actually smart. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm so not interested in the bells and whistles. I'm so not interested in making it harder and more complicated than it needs to be. Like, I've got a great business going. It works. Coaches love being a part of it. Clients love having it. Like, why on earth do I have to keep forcing it into something that it's not? It's just this great business model that works. No need to question it. In some months, we don't do as well as we wanted to. and other months, we absolutely kill it. You just kind of have to put some distance between you and it. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know if you've been following Elon Musk. This poor guy is just an engineer. He's just an engineer. That's all this is. He's got this huge thing in front of him and it's stressing him out to no end. And I'm just like, ah, I mean, I don't identify with Elon Musk because let's get real. But like, there is a part (laughs) of me that's like, oh oh my gosh, it's kind of the same thing. Like you're just an engineer, buddy, but you're like CEO of all these big things and so much is expected of you. And that's Mm -hmm. like, I look at him and I'm like, no, thanks. (laughs) I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that at all. No. And I think my ultimate lesson here is really you be you. You let your business and your leadership of that company and your development of that company look like whatever is guiding you from the inside out. It doesn't need to look like what everyone else thinks it needs to look like. That's really the ultimate lesson for me there. Right. Yeah, totally. Now you have had what I would consider pretty dramatic growth over the past year or two in relation to the prior years. Yeah. Is this moment one of the biggest reasons why? Like, No, that was it. you got the rebrand, you got super clear on that avatar, you got really yeah. 
dug in. So I'd be interested to know what came out of that as far as what actions did you take to make sure that we're on point and now we're going to have some record months. Now we're actually going to drive this to the next level. What were some really specific action steps that you took from that rebranding and that clarity and all that stuff? That was hiring two people. And one of them was Brittany Lynn that we mentioned earlier. We were already going and burning. I finally had branding that matched my clientele. Like It is beyond me how Blush even worked for the first few years when our home, everything about us did not speak to who we were chasing. So now that that was aligned, I was kind of like, okay, exactly. How do I put fuel on this fire? How do I keep this gravy train going? And I did two things. I hired Brittany to do publicity so that she could get me on. And I realized my best medium was podcasts or something of the sort. I'm not going to do Insta lives. I'm not that person. I mean, look at you. Thank God none of you can see me right now. (laughs) (laughs) She's adorable. (laughs) Oh God, again, not my thing. So I was like, you know, what do I actually enjoy doing? And of course, what is a podcast? It's basically like a counseling session. Like you're just talking about ideas and big things and fun things and getting to know each other. So I was like, I like doing that. So she's like, cool, I'll go out and find that for you. I was like, okay. I built up a really good relationship with Elite Daily and Bustle and Refinery29 and those outlets. And so I know journalists who work there. And instead of answering all of them myself, which I was kind of doing during the rebrand, I now pass it off to my coaches. So my coaches get a chance to like shine in a Bustle article or you know whatever it is. And then I get people who come on the site and request them. That hadn't been happening. I was really taking up all the limelight. I am the CEO. I did start the company. I do get how that's relevant, but at the same time, it's nice to share and it only helps everyone involved. And then the third thing that I did was I hired Shanice. And Shanice is my VA for all intents and purposes, but I call her my blush go-to girl. She handles customer service. She handles day-to-day. She handles any issues that coaches might have. Anything that can be solved through technology or quick thinking, problem solving, she handles. And that's been amazing for me to go on and explore other endeavors and to just create and and not even create one, but really to like develop a healthier relationship between me and Blush. Because for so long she was like, I don't know. Sometimes she just felt like the ugly stepchild (laughs) that I was like, I don't want to deal with you today. You know, like you're always there. You're always whining. You always need something. You're so expensive. Like, you know, I get so much from you in return, but like, I'm about to lose it. And Shawnee was like, I'll take it. So she handles so much of that stuff that like at some point you have to let go of when you run a business. Yeah. I was doing everything. Any complaint that we got came to my inbox at like 3 a.m. on a Friday. And not that she needs to be reading those emails at 3 a.m., but it would actually ruin my day. It's not going to ruin her day. She's going to be like, okay, I can deal with it in the morning. No big deal, right? Like, Because it's just a different type of relationship that you have. Yeah. Kelly, I want to end this conversation by asking you what one of your biggest lessons has been throughout these years. Oh, I know there's been probably like a couple dozen of them, if not thousands at this point. But what do you think one of the biggest lessons that has like shaped you as a businesswoman? I know this sounds so elementary, but I would always preach to my clients like comparison is the thief of joy. Don't compare. Then I would just leave. (laughs) It's like, okay, you figure out how to stop comparing yourself. I had to do the same thing with my business. And, you know, so much of being a successful business owner is also being very noticeable and being on social media in your face and like on in blogging and like just very visible, 
right? I would go on social media outlets or whatever, and I would see all these people crushing it. And to me, it was just like a reminder that maybe blush wasn't or blush wasn't doing as much as it should have. And it would crush my soul. And so I think a big lesson that I've learned is how to set appropriate boundaries to not compare yourself. I'm sure you've probably noticed it's been a huge thing for me, even just listening to me talk about the type of CEO I am and how that's okay. I didn't come out the bat like that. I was very hard on myself for years for not getting this right, which looking back, is just nuts. Like Again, I'm a trained counselor. I'm not a trained CEO and I'm never going to be and that's okay. Taking those steps of maybe not following certain accounts on social media, not to be petty, but just because it's not good for me or trying out Pinterest when other people are like, everything's in Facebook Live. And I'm like, you know what? I think maybe Pinterest could work for us for some reason. And then bam, it did. But I didn't read that on a blog. I didn't learn that anywhere. I just tried it out and it worked. And it's okay that someone wasn't telling me to do that. I hope that all makes sense. Forging my own path and realizing like the boundaries that I put in place are for my own betterment. It's not because I'm like a jealous, insecure person. Yes. Running your own race. Our biggest competitor is ourselves from yesterday. I love that. One of my clients always says, stay in your own lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Yep. That's really, really difficult when you don't have arbitrary boundaries as a business owner. If you want to go start making hats tomorrow, you could. I could come up with a blush hat and sell it online. Wouldn't you want that? Like I could do anything. And like that in and of itself is overwhelming and creates, I think, a lot of toxic energy when you don't have those limits. Yeah. And so I've had to set those for myself from a mental standpoint, emotional standpoint, and of course, from a business standpoint. And I think that's been really helpful. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. I feel like you and I could probably riff for another like hour and a half about just all these intricacies. I'm so enthralled by the journey that you've had so far. Obviously, by the business that you have set up, I think it's just brilliant. And I think it's perfectly timed. I mentioned this to you before we actually pressed record, but B. Arthur mm-hmm. had been on the podcast in the first couple of months of Biz Women Rock back in 2014. That's amazing. He was talking about her... I'm totally blanking on the name of her company at the time. She had Pretty Padded Room. Pretty Padded Room. And then it rebranded to In Your Corner. I'm a huge B. Arthur fan, if you can't tell. He's amazing. (laughs) And if you're interested in this conversation in this business model, go take a listen to that podcast because it's so interesting. But as far as it was like online counseling, online support this way, and she was really... You and I were talking about how she was really ahead of her time. Her business ended up not surviving after its multiple evolutions. She was like on the cusp of things being ready for that. And that's what I really wanted to highlight here is that like... The business model you have created is so just perfectly timed with the ideal person who gets value out of it in the best way that they get value out of it. So like all of those things are so aligned. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much about the experience. I really appreciate it. This has been so much fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Today's show is brought to you by ActiveCampaign, the only email marketing system you'll ever need. After nine years with the same email marketing provider that I was really, really not happy with, I was desperately searching for one that was simple, easy to manage, and affordable. ActiveCampaign easily stood out above the rest, and I have been ridiculously happy with them ever since I made the switch. Emailing my community and creating automation series for special resources has never been so simple. Whether you're ready to start your first email marketing setup or you are searching for a new provider, I highly recommend ActiveCampaign. 
Go check them out at bizwomenrock.com forward slash AC. That's for active campaign. bizwomenrock.com forward slash AC. AC.